0: You are listening to The Father's House Podcast, located in Owensboro, Kentucky. For more information, visit thefathershouseky.com. Welcome to The Father's House. Good morning. Um, I have a lot to talk about this morning, but its I believe it's very important. I have a lot of scriptures. Uh, I don't know if I'll get over all of them, probably not even close, but... Um, But just to remind you again, next Saturday, we do have a service at 6 o'clock here in this sanctuary. Uh, Pastor Bob Sorge, I don't know what his title is. Uh, I know he used to be a pastor for many years, but he will be in this sanctuary. You do not want to miss it. Uh, This is for anyone and everyone. If you know people that go to other churches, they're welcome to come. Especially, uh, he'll be speaking on the topic of worship. So people who lead worship or um, lead praise and worship at their church, we'd love to have them here. We should have um, quite a few visitors that Saturday night. So come. If you're hungry, you'll come. Amen? Amen. Um, so um, I believe what the Lord wants to talk about this morning is something God has really shown me this morning. The overall theme that I believe God is wanting to speak to our hearts this morning is that God is wanting to raise and remind, maybe that's a better way to put it, God is wanting to remind us of his original standard that he created for Christians. All right? And that standard is a word called holiness. All right? So at this church, we, we talk about the love of God, the grace of God. We talk about that we don't have to do more. We don't have to work more for his love. We can't earn our salvation. But also, in the same sense, there are some things that we need to do. Amen? It doesn't mean we don't just read our Bibles. We don't worship. We don't go to church because God just loves us anyways. That's not what we're saying. But I believe God is just wanting to show us a little more clear the balance Of how, yes, our salvation is a a free gift. It's not earned. We cannot earn it. But also, there is a standard that he wants us to walk in as well. Amen? And so, we might as well go ahead and pray. Come on, put your hand on your neighbor. Just say, get him, Lord. Jesus, we love you. (laughs) God, I thank you that you're a good father. And you don't attack us with your word. You don't attack us with correction, Lord. But you come in, Lord, with grace. You come in full of of meekness and gentleness, Father. And Lord, you're inviting us this morning into a deeper place of intimacy with you, God. You're inviting the Father's house to deeper wells of intimacy with you, God, that we will begin to see your hand move in more powerful ways, God, when we step into closer communion with you, Father. God, I thank you that today is a day of next steps, of growth, of breakthrough. I pray that you'd give your people ears to hear and eyes to see. Holy Spirit, would you use me this morning? Fill me with your spirit once and fresh again, Lord, right now in the name of Jesus. We love you, Lord, and we honor you. Can you put your hands out in front of you and just repeat after me? I love this pastor. Just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. Just say this. Say, Jesus. I receive. Anything that's from you and anything else, Amen. let it fall to the side in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. How many of you know if it's from Jesus, you want it? Amen? Amen. Even if it's correction, even if it, whatever it is, it's good. Amen? I also want to share something before I move on. Um, no, okay. No, well, That's another day. Alright, so my first point today, I want so my goal today is show you the balance of yes, we're completely loved, there's there's agape love, we can't earn our salvation, but also he does want us to walk in holiness. Right? He's not just saying, oh, it's cool, you're completely loved, go live however you want to. But in another sense, he's not saying because of how you live, earns your salvation. Does that make sense? And so it's all about this kind of motivation, and we're going through this freedom curriculum right now with our leadership, and our goal is to start our freedom groups in the fall. Look at your neighbor and say freedom. How many of you need freedom from things in your life? Every hand should be raised, right? And all of us, is different things, right? It could be addiction. It could be, I don't know, it could be self-doubt. It could be self-hate. It could be just unbelief. It could be unforgiveness. It could be a bunch. It could be a religious spirit. Which, as I've learned, is the hardest thing to get rid of. It's way easier to see acts get set free than when I've seen religious people come out of religious nonsense. I'm just telling you, it's way easier. That's, where, that's why you see that, that girl you know, who poured out her oil on the feet of Jesus. because you know, When we really get an understanding of our sinfulness before Christ, we, we become lovers of God. Right? You, don't, you don't have to be this terrible sinner to be super in love with Jesus. You just got to understand that your sin also nailed him to the cross just as much as the murderers did. You just have to be aware, you got to have a consciousness that because I mean' there's, you see some people that are on fire for Jesus because they come out of this rough place, but that doesn't mean that only people coming out of rough places can be on fire for Jesus. What I've learned is, is that it's harder for people who haven't been in a rough place to lose their dignity, to be on fire for Jesus. Okay, I better stay on track this morning. Lord, help me. So my first point today is that you cannot earn God's love. Somebody say amen. Amen. This is good news. Other religions that tell you, well, if I just do good enough and my good outweighs my bad, then if I get to heaven, you know, Jesus will let me in. I'm telling you, that's a terrible way to think. And a horrible way to live your life every day, trying to do good more than your bad and good more than bad. The reality is no one is good. No, not one. No one is righteous. No one can be good enough for God. But here's the good news. Jesus was. Jesus was the one who was good enough, and that's why we have the scripture in 2 Corinthians that he that knew no sin became sin so that you could become the righteousness of God. There was this great exchange that happened. Your sinfulness for his righteousness. This is good news, church. This is really, really good news, especially for us that have been abounding in sin for a long time. (laughs) Can somebody say amen? You know what I'm talking about, right? It's 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 a good deal on our end, right? So, God is, is wanting us to know this morning that it's something we cannot earn. You cannot earn. And I mean, I got up here a few weeks ago. And I'm like, yes, it's not just try more. Try harder and do more to receive his love. And what we're saying is you, you, you can't, if you're born again, this is the good news. If you're born again right now, there is nothing that you can do to make him love you any less. Period. I love that psalm of Maverick City. It says, I've never been loved, I've never been more loved than I am right now. So I'm not trying to be obedient to God to receive his love or to receive my salvation. That's how it comes. It's by grace we're saved through faith, right? So this idea that I have to understand that his love for me was unconditional. When I was yet a sinner, he died for me. I love him because he first loved me. Right? I have to understand that. And from that place, I will want to walk in obedience to what he asked me to do because in view of his mercy, in view of how good he's been to me, now I want to do what he says. Not because I'm trying to gain his love or gain his attention. He's given me his attention and now he has all of mine. Does this make sense? Somebody shake their head like this. Good. Okay. Thank you. Some of y'all are thinking, well, I kind of understand this. Ah, That's awesome. Good for you. So, anyways, Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. How many know that scripture? And he says, come to me, all you are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest for your souls. And you know that, that scripture? And really what he was saying, he was saying to the, the people that you cannot earn your salvation. He was saying, you're trying to be religious, and you're trying to go to church every Sunday, and you're trying to tithe, and you're trying to stop cussing, and all of this. He was saying, that will wear you completely out. You'll never make it. But if you come to me, I'll give you rest for your souls. I'll be the one. I'll, I'll let me be in charge of your salvation. Good. And he's saying, stop trying to work for your salvation and just come as you are and receive the gift that he has given us by faith. Now, hold on. I'm going to get to the holiness too, right? I believe that we should present the gospel and grace in such a way that it begs the question, well, can we just sin? Because if you think about it, Because that's what Paul did in Romans 5. We're dead to sin, dead to sin. There's so much grace. There's so much grace. Where where sin abounds, grace abounds even more. But then the answer is, so could we just continue sinning? He says, no, certainly not. That's not what I said. He's saying that if you get a hold of the grace of God, and if you truly get the revelation of his mercy and his love for you, you're not going to want to figure out how you can still sin. I had a guy in in a class I was in one time at FOS, and he, uh, he's like, man, I just can't help it. When I see girls walking down the street and I see them and I just think bad thoughts about them and I'm just a man and, you know, I just can't get away from that. And I said, well, I said, if you're trying to figure out ways that you can get away with sin, then you probably need to get saved. And then it was real quiet in the room. <laughs> you know, he wasn't the funny guy no more in the class, right? That's like, hold on a second. If I'm if I'm trying to walk that line and seeing how close I can get to the world, then I probably need to I probably need to realign myself to see if I've truly surrendered my life to Him. That's good. Because if I the Bible says that if you lose your life, you'll find it. But if you hold on to it, you'll lose it. There is no in-between. You either lose it or you don't. You either give it up or Or you don't but here's the good news once you give up your life is when you start to receive the joy and the peace and the blessings and all the things that your your heart's desiring for it's because you're still holding on to some things and god is trying to remove some things from your life so you can actually get what you're actually looking for what you're longing for you don't have peace in your life because you're still holding on to there's areas where you're not surrendering And the devil's saying, well, that's going to be too hard. It's too hard to surrender to God. It's too hard to give it all to God. No, he's saying, come to me. My burden is light and my yoke is easy. The devil's a liar, amen? Amen. So Ephesians 2.8 says, we're saved by grace through faith, not of works that any man should boast. Jesus is basically saying, I get all the credit for your salvation. Don't try to take any credit. Don't try to say that you earned it. You can't earn it. This is good news for us, right? We can't earn it. We receive it by faith. And so the value, that we're, the value we've been given has been determined. It's a gift from God. Jesus has decided that you are valuable with his blood. He has made that decision. He has said that the, the God's creation is valuable because he came down here and he gave his life for you. So he has placed the value... Of his blood on every single person does this make sense he is saying your value comes from my sacrifice your value comes from what I did for you on the cross and nothing can change that value there's not one thing that can change the value of every person in this room and every person that God's created how many of you know the Bible says that every person was made in the image of God not just saved people we like to think that it's just the Christians that were made in the image of God no everyone was made in the image of God we are all image bearers of God. It doesn't mean we're all born again. That's not what I said. But we all carry that image. And God is trying to redeem his creation back to its original intent. And he does this by grace through faith in his son, Jesus. You know, I was thinking this past week. Let me see. I need a volunteer up here. Is Blake in here? Blake, huh, come here. I need, those, I need those big feet for this illustration. He's got his birthday shoes on. Up here, man. Come on. Got his Jordans on. Come on. Man, this guy is probably the best drummer I've ever been around. But even more than that, he is a humble, uh, hungry for Jesus man. Man of God. So proud of this man. So amazing. See what God's done in his life. From the, from the straight jackets and the gothic stuff in middle school uh, to this man of God leading his family, leading his children. Uh, so, so good. I could just sit here and talk about this all day. It makes me so happy. Um, but anyways, I want to talk about, so our value, the value we have is given, okay? It's a gift, all right? It's a decision God has made. So I got a $20 bill. Hold that $20 bill. How much does this worth? 20. $20. What's the value of that $20 bill? <laughs> hey, yeah, that's, that, that's your old life, okay? <laughs> Hold on now. Hold on. God has changed you. He's redeemed you. That's right. Crumple that $20 bill completely. Throw it on the ground. Step on it. Come on, step on it again. Step on it again. How much is that thing worth? Uh, still worth twenty. Still worth twenty dollars. Kind of open it up a little bit. It's all right. Still worth twenty dollars. Yeah. See the value of this has been determined. Because we have made a decision that is worth $20. It doesn't matter how screwed up it is. It doesn't matter how many times you've been stepped on. It doesn't matter who spit on you. It doesn't matter. Your value has not changed. You have been made in the image of God. Nothing can be taken from that. That is good news. Give me, give me that, boy. Get off the stage. This is from the Children's Church offering, anyways, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Katrina's going to be like, What are you doing, our bookkeeper? <laughs> Somebody, that's probably one of y'all's 20s. I'm not going to lie to you, okay? I had to get it from my bookkeeper. Don't worry. Everything's in order. But our value has been given to us by God. It's, it's something that we did not earn. It's something that's been gifted to us. Amen? That's good news. That's really good news. Man. So, but here's the next thing I want to say. Now with that being said, let me make this clear. You can be completely loved, completely valued, completely saved, and not have any actually real connection with God, though. Now, I'm not being mean this morning. I want to draw you to a deeper place this morning. God is inviting you to something else. He doesn't just want us to say, oh, I'm so loved. Oh, God's just so happy about me. I don't have to do anything. I don't really have to read my Bible. I don't have to worship him. I don't have to stop sin in my life. I don't have to live holy. You know, I can just wait around and get to heaven one day. That's not what the Bible says, actually. And think about in, in marriage, right? So listen to me. You can't earn his love or his salvation, but you will in a sense, earn or have to build your intimacy with him. How many of you are married? How many of you know you can be completely married, completely in covenant, completely in covenant, and have no connection? So and you're completely married. Man, I've had some sad stories in my life with people that's like, man, we will be married 40 years, and he's been mean to me for 30 years. But, you know, but guess what? They were completely married, completely faithful, but completely disconnected. Do you see what I'm saying? God is not inviting us into a marriage covenant without intimacy. He wants to be intimate with us. He's wanting us to know him. Like, like Paul said, I want to know him. I, get, I want my kids to know him personally, not just to know about him or what someone else has said. And some of you are wondering why you feel so dead in church and why you feel so distant. It's because you're not having intimacy with God. Because it takes the pursuit to bring intimacy. Because when we get married, we almost go with God like we do from the dating stage to the marriage stage. Okay, so well let me explain. The dating stage we're all in. I'm on the phone three o'clock in the morning with Maddie. Hey, baby girl, you know? Can't wait to see you in the morning. What time are we? It's four: it's four in the morning now, when are we going to meet at five in the morning? You know, we're in this, we're in this stage where like you're dating and you're going, you know, you're not getting any fights, you know, because you're just being so gracious and you're just falling in love and blah 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 blah. And then you're going out and everything's just so great, and then you get married and you just get fat and don't care no more. (laughs) So we're like, oh she loves me. Oh, she she's a good girl. She she ain't going nowhere. Oh, he's a godly man. You know, he, he's not going nowhere. He's, he's not going to leave me. I don't really have to try anymore. How silly. Because if you start, what you're doing is you're starting to ruin your intimacy. And once you start to ruin your intimacy, you're in trouble to ruin the whole covenant. That's good. You're in trouble to ruin the marriage because we got to get out of this idea. But we do the same things with God. When we get saved. We're on fire. I'm in mean, my Bible. I mean, when, I, when I first got saved, I, well, I was in jail, but that was a little easier. I was in the Bible for 10 hours a day. You know, it was a little easier back then. I had four kids and they screamed in my face all the time. But we go through these stages almost with God, like, oh man, oh, I'm so on fire, man. I just got saved. I'm so excited about God. Da-da-da-da. And then we get to the marriage stage. We just get comfortable. Oh, he loves me. Oh, yeah, I'm going to heaven. Let me tell you something. It's not about the kingdom of God, it's not so much about you getting saved from your sin and just going to heaven, it's about you taking people with you. It's about you representing a different kingdom, and other people see Christ in your life. But I'm telling you, people will not see Christ in your life if you have no intimacy with Christ. They will see you. So there's this balance of, yes, you're loved, but you also have to live holy. Because there is a mission that we're on, church. We're here on mission. We're here to go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them all the things that I've commanded you. How can we teach someone something that we've been commanded if we're not walking in those commandments? Amen. That's right. We have to be walking in these ob- obedience to Christ. So when we go over to our young people and say, hey, be obedient to Christ, we're showing the example. We're modeling what it's like. Amen? Amen. So let's let's not treat God like we maybe treated our marriage. Let's not treat our marriages that way anymore. Start dating your spouse. Start start falling deeper in love with your spouse. Start treating her or him like you did when you first met and you went out of your way and you were more kind than you were now. Because otherwise what we're doing is we're saying, oh, there's just grace. And we're just stepping on grace and stepping on the cross. That is not the point of the cross for us to try to step over it and step on it. In view of his mercy, we present our bodies a living and holy sacrifice unto him. We're, we're fixed on what he's done, and we're saying, God, I'm yours. Change me. Transform me. Use me with your, for your glory. This is the point of the gospel. So one of the biggest components to intimacy is trust. Amen? It's one of the biggest things we see in marriages, too. If there's no trust, there's no intimacy. And I think that it's another blocker... In our relationship with God if you don't trust God's intentions you won't be able to have intimacy with him if you think he's just a judge ready to to smack you whenever you do something wrong and you don't see him this is why it's so important that the name of this church was changed to the father's house because God is reintroducing himself as a loving kind gentle father and he's saying you can trust me you can trust me and you can say well I don't know what that's like you know my dad was like this I'm telling you he's not like your dad I'm not trying to be just judgmental against your dad. But I'm saying he, he's so much better than you could imagine. we got to learn to... Step one, you ready? you got to learn to trust God if you're going to be intimate with him. you got to trust his plans for your life. you got to trust what the word says. you got to build faith in these things and say, God, I know you want to work all things for my good. I know when you correct me, God, it's for my best, Lord. I trust you. You know, the... The Bible isn't just this measuring stick to show you where you don't measure up in the New Testament. It's an invitation where God is inviting you to deeper intimacy. Amen. When you read 1 Corinthians 13, it says love is patient, love is kind, love does not boast, love is not selfish. And the only thing we usually get out of that is like, man, I got a lot of work to do. Instead of seeing the opposite, and God's not, God's not saying, hey, Mike, I'm trying to point out everything you're doing wrong. He's saying, I'm trying to draw you into a closer place with me. I'm trying to show you what is available if you desire it. Yes. Let me read you some scriptures this morning about the goodness of God. For those of you maybe saying, "Man, I, I struggle with trust in God that He's good, that He's faithful, that He's for me." Psalms 33:4 four. It says, "For the Lord, the word of the Lord is upright, and all His work is done in faithfulness." Psalms eighteen thirty. It says, "As for God, His way is blameless. The word of the Lord is tried." Come on, somebody. The word of the Lord has been tried, and it's. Let me put it like this: God has a perfect track record. You can search Him out for everything He's done, and all you're going to find is faithfulness. That's it. The word of the Lord is tried, and he is a shield to all who take refuge in him. Psalms nineteen seven. The law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Psalms 111, 7, The works of his hands are truth, justice, and all his precepts are sure. 2 Samuel seven twenty eight. Now, O Lord God, you are God, and your words are truth, and you have promised this good thing to your servant. Psalms 105. For the Lord is good. Somebody say he's good. Some of you need to to believe that. Let that hit you in your spirit this morning. He's a good God. He's a good Father. He's a really, really, really good God. Really good. Psalms 100, verse 5, For the Lord is good, His loving kindness is everlasting, and His faithfulness to all generations. For those of you who have a problem trusting the scripture or believing the scripture, 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is inspired by God. Let me put it this way. All scripture is inspired by the same God who is good, the same God who is faithful, the same God who's been tried and made sure. That's, that God is the one who, who spoke the scripture. You can trust the word of God. It's for your good. And he goes on to say, it's profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness. When you know the person over you is really cares about your future, you can receive correction for them. Amen. I was talking on the phone with a guy yesterday I barely even know, but I could hear the sound of his voice. He asked me a question that challenged me, and I could hear in the sound that it was, it was, it was from the Lord. We have to learn to receive things that are from God that may be for some people that you don't even really like. Or maybe some people that you're real, real judgmental and closed off to. Listen, sometimes my 14-year-old son will correct me. And there's my flesh wants to be like, Boy, you got a lot of work to do. You, better, you got a lot of maturing to do. You ain't near as mature as me, boy. But he'll say something that's true that I need to hear. And I'm like, man. Shut up. Just kidding. But it's truth. If it's, God's, if it's from God's word, if it's from heaven, if it's wisdom, if it's wisdom, I always want it. Amen? Amen. The Bible says the person who, who, basically it says if you don't like correction, it says you're stupid. That's what the NLT says. So don't be stupid. Look at your neighbor. Say, don't be stupid. You notice it, say, you notice it didn't say the person who's struggling is stupid. The person who's got issues is stupid. That's not what it says. It says the ones who act like they don't have any issues, the ones who act like they don't have any problems, and they won't let anybody step in and pastor or shepherd them. Those are actually the stupid ones. I'll move on. Sorry. (laughs) Getting a little rough in the room. Amen. Somebody say, I don't want to be stupid. Awesome. We're all on the same page. Oh. All right, so after we get saved, after we figure out we're completely loved, we didn't do anything to earn our salvation, um, he does want us, church, to live holy lives. Let me give you a scripture, 1 Peter 1, 15. He says, but like the Holy One who called you, this is the one who called you, he says, be holy yourselves also in all your behavior. You notice the Bible will never say because of your behaviors is what got you to heaven. But he does say, now since you've been saved, be holy in all your behaviors. Do you see what I'm saying? There's this balance because old school religion will tell us, boy, you better straighten up and you better stop cousin, better do everything right, and then maybe he'll let you in. No, that's, that's, not, that's not the gospel. We get in because of what he's done, not because of what we've done. But afterwards, we need to be in view of that and walking out what he's asking us to walk out because somebody say Amen. He's not saying go live like crap and go do whatever you want now. He's saying be holy in all your behavior. 1 John 2, 6, whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Talking about Jesus. This is New Testament. He's saying if you say that you love God, if you're saying you abide with Jesus, you're, you're one of his sons. He's saying you ought to walk in the same manner he did. That's why we used to have those bracelets. You know, what would Jesus do? It's very scriptural. We should be reminding people. Jesus made a tall order for us when he said, "You know what? The things I've done, you're going to do greater things." And it's not going to come because of us being half-hearted Christians, one foot in the world, one foot in the. No, it's going to come from people who are sold out to Him, walking uprightly. 1 Peter two twenty one. For this you have been called. Somebody say, "I've been called." I've been called. How many of you know you've been called? Because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in His steps. This is the Bible, guys. He, he left an example for us through the way that we should live. Did you notice he doesn't say anything about just coming to church and just giving your money? He's talking about our behaviors, the way we live. It's easy to think,, it's easy to put on a front here on Sunday morning church. That's easy work. But to go home and when one of when your kids is acting crazy in the middle of the night, and you got an opportunity to be in your flesh or be in the spirit, you have an opportunity to say, okay, man, I want to abide. I'm going to walk with him. I want to make the right things, make the right decisions. I want to be the example that God has placed me to be. I want to walk in his steps. I'm constantly aware of my marriage, of my family, and saying, okay, God, what are the areas? Search me and show me, oh, God. Because I know that he's a good father, I can ask him, hey, God, what's wrong with me? (laughs) Because I know, listen, if you're scared of his intentions, you won't go to him for things like that. You'll be afraid of him, so when you're struggling, you won't go to anyone because you think all you're getting is the hammer. It's quiet in here. Remember, his word, it's training in righteousness. It's profitable for correction and teaching. God's correction is good. If I'm going down I-65 South, and I'm actually supposed to be going to Indianapolis, I wish someone would say, hey, Mike, you're going the wrong way. I would be like, oh, how dare you tell me I'm going the wrong way? Oh, thank you. (laughs) Man, thank you. Correction. Correction has become a negative thing in our society. Correction is a good thing. It can come from a bad heart and then it becomes negative. But if it comes from somebody like the Father who loves you unconditionally, you should receive it. And be open and lining up in the line. If God's handing out correction, I need it, God. Because when I'm corrected, guess what's going to happen? I'm going to start to be transformed. I'm going to start to look more like Him and I'm actually going to get the result that I want for people to see Christ in me. Because Christ isn't here anymore, right? He's not going to walk through this door in a minute in fleshly form. He actually says that we are his body and he is the head. So we are the representation of him to our friends, to this city. And that is why we have to walk in holiness and walk upright and, and want to do better in our lives for people to see him in us. First Peter 11, 1 Peter 11.1 Be imitators of me, Paul wrote, as I am of Christ. Ephesians 5, 1 and 2, therefore be imitators of God as beloved children. If you have kids, how many of your kids, when they're real little, they act like you? They talk like you. They want to do what you're doing. And sometimes you're around the house and you say something you shouldn't say. And if you got real little kids, they'll repeat it back. We'll be like, oh, okay, man, Carter, don't be stupid. And my three-year-old, don't be stupid. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> oops, <laughs> never mind, I shouldn't say that. <laughs> You know, and he's saying like little children, imitate the Father, imitate Christ so we can show people Christ. And we want our kids to do the same way. Listen, like Pastor Faith said a few weeks ago, the best thing you can do to raise your kids is model the way that they should live. I've had so many talks with my son, I'm going to tell you right now. And probably one ear out the other. But I remember one day we were playing, he was playing a video game and Maddie said something and he, Carter misheard Maddie. And he thought that she said that I, I yell at the kids. And, and I remember Carter, he turned around from the game. He stopped her and said, that doesn't yell at us. And it hit me in that moment, like, oh, he, he's seeing what I'm doing. I could try to talk to him every scripture and everything I'm doing. But I'm going to tell you what, he knows how I actually act. And it hit me. I was like, oh, okay, cool. I actually am doing a good job. You know? Instead of all my Bible studies and lectures and all my reasoning Be imitators of God. Be imitators of Christ. How do you do that? you got to walk in obedience. You can't just enjoy your sin on Friday. Parents, you're going to teach your kids that they can enjoy sin when they become 18. Well, you can't do that till you're 18. Or you can watch this show when you get older because it's perverted and you shouldn't be watching it, but dad's going to watch it. And we're gonna to go to the movies and watch this, but you can't watch it to you're older because it's nasty and has bad stuff in it. Come on now. You're teaching your kids to be imitators of you. How about we become imitators of God? We live holy lives, and our kids will be holy and live holy lives. It's just what I want, Pastor Darrell. I don't want religious church kids. I want kids that live holy lives, that have intimate connection with God, that are world changers, that are prophesying, casting out demons, healing the sick, raising the dead. I want my kids to turn this city upside down. And it's not going to come because I'm just lust, basking in my grace and love and just living however I want. That's not what the Bible teaches us. Let's read another scripture, Ephesians 4, 22 through 24. It says, put off your old self. Why would Paul say that? He's saying that because he's saying, basically, you're going to have to renew your... After you get saved, have you ever noticed that you still got some problems? And he's saying that after you get saved, there's going to be this transition period called the renewing of your mind, called sanctification, and you're going to be walking through it the rest of your life. And what he's saying is, when you come to me and you start to be obedient to walking in my commandments... You're going to progress in that sanctification. You're going to look more like Christ. But if you want to, you can stay a baby in Christ and be saved for 40 years. Why would anyone in this room want to stay as mature as a baby? Let's just be real this morning. I'm not saying this with any shame or any guilt. I believe that every person in this room, let me pass to you for a moment, would say, no, I don't want to be a baby. That's why Paul would say, I can't come to you with the the meat of the word with the hard things because you're still on the milk you're still, you're still just being rude to people at the gas station you're still cutting people off and giving them the finger driving down the road I can't give you the deeper things because you're on step one still you're still holding people in unforgiveness and bitterness and offense in your heart and that's why you're not growing you're thinking that you're putting them in prison but you're in prison and he's saying like hey and, and like with with like a really good fatherly voice we gotta grow up We got to grow up into the maturity, the maturity of God. We got to see. And I'm speaking to myself this morning. I could be very immature in a lot of ways, trust me. Pastor Darrell can tell you. I mean, my son can tell you. Sometimes my son will be like, Dad, you're like, you have an inner 14 year old boy in there. And I would just like to say, I think every man in this room has an inner 14 year old boy. You know, we want to climb something, we want to throw something. Take all these grown men out in the woods right now, and you'll see a bunch of teenage boys come alive. You know, we'll be through, who can throw the rock the furthest, you know, it just happens. <laughs> so, and when Jesus said something like this, he said, let the little children come to me, unless you come to me as a child. He wasn't saying, stay immature. He was saying, stay in complete wonder of me. Stay in complete obedience. Hey dad, what does this mean? Hey dad, what does that look like? Hey dad, can I do this? It wasn't because of immaturity, it was because of that intimacy, it was because of that connection, it was because of obedience. You see what I'm saying? He's not saying stay stay little. Put off your old self which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desire. Something we have to get past. Did you hear this for a second? Put off your old self which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt Through deceitful desires. He's saying there's going to be some deceitful desires. You should do this. You should have sex with this person. You should watch this. You should be whatever. You should drink. You should go back out. Oh, there's grace. That's not what he's saying. He's saying put away those things. And be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. And somebody say amen. He's saying get away from that old life. And step into this new life that I've invited you into. He's not saying, go walk the line of how close I can be to my friends and how much sin can I get away with. He's saying, put away that life. This is what intimacy with God. This is what lukewarmness looks like, walking the line. Intimacy with God looks like, I'm going to try to get as close as I possibly can to you, Father. Because I want to know you. I want to see what you're like. I want to represent you well. I want to be like the Apostle Paul in Acts 20, 24, when he says, however I consider my life to be worth nothing to me, my only aim is to finish the race and spread the news of God's grace to the Gentiles. He's saying, I've given up my life for your purposes. This is the gospel. This is the kingdom. He says, be holy. Well, I'm saved, pastor, I'm going to heaven. I don't have to do anything. That's not right. That's not the way to think. We're supposed to continue the mission of Christ on the earth, in this city, and I'm going to tell you some real practical, easy ways. It starts with maybe you just getting some marriage help. Because if your marriage is struggling, because your kids are, man, you want to make world-changing kids, you got to work on your marriage. Or maybe you're single in this room, and maybe you need some help there, and how to look for a godly spouse, and how to not listen. Some of the young, young ladies, young men, sometimes I just want to smack you all. I'm like, listen, don't go back to the stupid things you did before. Wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. Wait on God to bring the right person. Don't just go back, uh, you know, go back into your old life to look for the wrong person again. Amen. You know, but that we can't go back to the same thing expecting different results. God is wanting to change things and saying, "Be holy, for I am holy." Now, let me give you some benefits this morning. So some of you might be saying, well, "Why do we need to live holy?" Let me tell you. Let me give you some benefits of holy living. Number one. Holiness fosters intimacy with God and builds strength and stability. If you separate yourself unto God, you are fostering this intimate connection with him. If If I separate time and be intentional with my time with my wife, I am fostering intimacy. If I'm going out of my way to spend more time with Maddie, to do her love languages, to do stuff that she's connected to, I'm literally building intimacy with her. I'm building connection with her, amen? If you don't ever open the Bible, ever do anything outside of a Sunday morning, you're actually fostering just to stay a baby in the faith. And no one in this room wants that, amen? We don't want to be grown-ups who are babies in the faith. We We want to be spiritually mature sons and daughters, amen? Amen. Amen. Let me just go ahead and say, just because you've been saved for a long time doesn't mean you're spiritually mature. And just because you've raised kids doesn't mean that you are a mature, a mature parent either. Amen. Right? But there's also, we've got to have humility. If we could be humble, God can use us. If we can say, hey, you know what, maybe I wasn't the greatest parent and I, I screwed up a lot of things, but, you know, I've recognized it. I have even apologized to my kids. That can go a lot further than you could imagine. God can use a humble person, but that pride and that victim mentality that comes in and says, well, my dad didn't teach me well, and I didn't have a good thing. If you want to be a victim, God will allow you to stay a victim and have an orphan heart and still get to heaven, but I'm telling you, you will be miserable all the way till you get there. And we're trying to see in this house that God will take you out of that way of thinking and show you that you can be completely loved, you can have all kinds of struggles, and he's still going to help you along the way and bless you and father you. Amen. In our freedom curriculum we're doing right now, we're saying God will set you free. God wants to set you free if you will allow him to. You can get as free and as sanctified as you allow. I'll say it again. You can get as sanctified as you allow. If you want to play church or if you want to just watch some shows that tiptoe the line, then that's up to you. I tell my 14-year-old son all the time, I say, what kind of Christian do you want to be? Because if you want to tiptoe the line, you know what you're going to do? You're going to make it real hard for you. might fall off this line. And next thing you know, you've lost all of this connection. And you're completely back in doing what the world wants. Which I don't believe anybody wants in this room. So we want to walk in holiness, walk in these things. So number one, intimacy with God. Let me look at Psalms uh, 15, 1 through 5. So walking in holy living will give you stability in your faith. How many of you need stability in your life? Amen. Psalms 15, 1 through 5. Lord, who may dwell in your sacred tent? Who may live on your holy mountain? To one whose walk is blameless, who does what is righteous, who speaks the truth from their heart, whose tongue utters no slander, who does no wrong to a neighbor and casts no slur on others, who despises a vile person but honors those who fear the Lord, who keeps an oath even when it hurts and does not change their mind who lends money to the poor without interest, who does not accept a bribe against the innocent. Check this out. Whoever does these things will never be shaken. Isn't that amazing? He's saying there's something about when you start to live holy, you start to actually follow my commandments, you're going to be standing stronger than you ever could imagine. And when life's things come and when troubles come, when sickness comes, when cars break down, you're walking and you're standing secure. Because you're standing a little closer to that, that king where he says, come to me, and I'll be your refuge. I'll be your strong tower. But if you're too busy walking as close as you can to get to the world, guess what's going to happen? You're going to fall apart. Man, this church thing just ain't working. This Bible, man, this just ain't working for me. No, 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 no. You've you got to get away from the line. <laughs> You've got to get, it, oh, I'm just sort of saved, and, you know, I'm not really a bad person. I've never done drugs. I've never been a murderer, you know. I'm good enough. No, you're not good enough. Only Christ was good enough. And I'm going to give you the key to staying with Christ and being on fire for him. You've got to be desperate for him. You've got to say, God, i got to recognize John 15. Apart from you, I can do nothing. We've got to get that revelation. Apart from you, God, I can do absolutely nothing. Zero. I said to myself. Man, the Lord spoke to me this morning, and I was just like, man, God, I just, almost every time before I get up to preach, and we're going to be done in about an hour, it's okay. Just kidding, all the new people are like, what? Come on. We can give God some of our time, amen? Probably a lot more of our time, if we'd be honest. Amen? I remember what I was going to say. I'm going to move on to number two. Holy living will make us useful and effective for God's purposes. This is pretty tough scripture here. Second Timothy, chapter two, verse twenty through twenty-four. It says, "In a large house, there are articles not only for gold of, of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some, somebody say, some yeah. are for special purposes, and some for common use." Okay. Those, look at verse 21. This is the most important thing you're going to see here. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself, what does that mean? Live holy. Go back to Ephesians. Put away those things. When you're trying to, that flesh is trying to come back up or you're thinking about watching a show you shouldn't watch, turn it off. You're putting the music back on and the music that you used to listen to from your former life, turn it off. He's saying, cleanse yourselves. Renew your mind in these areas. Why? And we see this here. He, the person who cleanses himself, purify yourself. He will be a vessel for honorable use. How many of you want to be a vessel for honorable use? Think about this. How many of you want to be used by God? I know I'm not the only one in the room. How many of you want God to use you? Like, man, God, I want you to use me like you're using Pastor Mike. I want to share the gospel, too. I want to pray with people, too. And yes, you can. But he's saying, get rid of all the junk. Start walking closer to me, and I'll use you for honorable use. God is not just using just anybody. The word holy means set apart. Think about this. God is looking for Christians and people to be set apart. Why? For his purposes and his plans. That's why holiness is so important if you want God to use you. Name one person. I think we get it twisted in church because we say things like God can use anybody. And what we're really saying is that God is not a respecter of persons, whether you're black, white, Asian, Mexican, it doesn't matter whether you're a drug addict, not a drug addict, a single mom, divorced four times. It doesn't matter your background. God can use you, but he's not just using anybody. He's not using people who are playing church, guys. Go find me one person. Look at the amazing men of God and women of God all around this world who God is using in a powerful way. And I can promise you those people are walking in intimacy and holiness with God. All the ones that I know personally, I'm over here trying to get as close as I can to them because they're not just half-heartedly serving Jesus. They're trying to build that connection with him, walk closer with him. And he's saying, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house. Ready. Somebody say ready. Ready, holiness, and cleansing will make you ready for every good work. It's so good. Isn't that amazing? I love the word of God. Cleanse yourself. Walk in these things. What's the benefit of living holy? You'll be ready for the master's good work. He'll say, oh, no, no, I got to get some things done in Owensboro. Who can I use? Oh, I can use Alex. He's ready. Boom, I can use Zach, he's ready. I can use, I can use Pastor Daryl. I can use Juan, he's ready. He's setting himself apart for my purposes. He's not trying to get so close to the world's purposes. He is living a holy life and I'm looking around, looking for the faithful and saying, come on, there's work to do. You can make a decision today to shift the course of your walk with Christ, to step out of just staying a baby in Christ and getting to heaven one day and saying, No, God, I'll go anywhere. I'll do anything. I don't want you to pass me by. I want you to use me. Remember, we're not talking about earning his love here today. We are completely loved. Whether or not you want to you wanna be used by God, you can be completely loved, completely saved in covenant, going to heaven, just like your marriage, but not have any intimacy for the most of your relationship. And I can tell you right now, my spouse definitely doesn't want to just be married and have no connection. No spouse just wants that covenant without connection. If they're a good spouse. They want that connection. Number three. (whistles) Hmm. Come on. Somebody say, "This this makes sense. About 12 of you good. Praise God. How many of you? You got to think about this, guys. Some of us want to be used by God so much, and it can be in an unhealthy way as well. Let me tell you this: those who want to be used by God, and you're trying to maybe jump through the jump through the hurdles of how to God to use you. I'm telling you, and listen, if you if you can't come under somebody's authority in a church, then you cannot expect that God to catapult you into your own ministry. You cannot expect it. The reason why I have this pulpit is because I, I learned how to come over, I come under, excuse me, whoever was over me. Because I understood some a principle that God places people in authority, not the person. So if I reject the authority, I'm rejecting the authority of God. Right. So I learned how to come under the youth pastor, two youth pastors. I learned how to come under my other pastor, and guess what? I didn't always agree with them. But as long as it wasn't sinful, heretical, or unethical. I was behind him. If he starts preaching against the Bible, if I ever start preaching against the Bible or doing something crazy, if I ever walk in this church, like I heard a pastor say recently, with a different spouse, you should get up and leave. You want to be anointed? You want to be used by God? you got to also learn how to live holy lives. The Bible says Jesus was anointed because he loved righteousness and hated wickedness. you got to live holy. We're, we're, we're asking the Holy Spirit to come and dwell on top of us for him to use. Remember, this is the Holy Spirit. This is the Holy God of, A, of Abraham that we're asking, come and fill me, Spirit. Come and use me. He's, he's holy. That's why he says, hey, be holy for I'm holy. Cleanse yourselves. Purify yourselves and you'll be useful for the master. You want the anointing, guys? You want to be used? Learn how to serve. Don't skip. Come on, Pastor Durant. I know there's an amen for you, right? We, we, we learn how to serve. Learn how to come under. It's just like in the military. You know in the military when they do and they go and join other troops across the nation? The first thing they do when they land is say what? Who's in authority? Right? It's because there's something powerful. Like God, if you humble yourself, he'll exalt you. You cannot skip. Some of you are thinking, man, I got ministry on my life. I'm going to do all these things for God. I'm going to tell you this. You cannot skip your process of freedom that you need to go through. And you cannot skip the, the submission you need to go through. God might catapult you to be something, but I'm telling you, there'll be a season of you walking through a journey, not getting what you want, and just maybe scrubbing some toilets. You know, I've never asked to speak or preach in this church in nine years, ever. Somebody asked me to. If you're really called of God, church, let me go ahead and say it. The other people called of God will recognize it on your life, and they will try to raise you up. But if you're in the wrong spirit, you won't submit to it. I better move on. <laughs> Hallelujah. If it bothers you, let it bother you. And let, it, let Jesus set you free. Amen? 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 Come on. That's like my son correcting me, right? And it bothers me. And I'm like, dang it. I just want to bat. Uh, uh. And I'm like, dang it, but he's right. Dad, you shouldn't say that. I know, son. Be quiet. <laughs> You're right. Colossians 1.10 says, please him in every way, talking about Jesus. Bearing fruit in every good work. Walk in a manner where of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. Bearing fruit in every good work and increasing the knowledge of God. Isn't that amazing? Here's what we're really trying to say to you. We're not trying to walk in that way to gain his affection and his love. We already have his affection and his love so we should walk in that way. Amen? So it's not one or the other. It's both. Number three, third benefit, and then we're going to be done. Where's your team? Would you come? Some of you are thinking, man, I'm getting hungry. Listen here, I've been on a fast for the last almost 17 hours. So I don't want to hear it. Just kidding. Not really, though, but almost done. Dial in for me real quick just for a few minutes. Our holy life will also cause other people around us to glorify God. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 through 12, it says, Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans, which is anybody else. Though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. A holy life, guys, will produce peace in your life, peace with God. If you're living holy and you're walking in your conviction and your standard, you don't have that, like, fear of someone finding something out. You know what I mean? Like, if if you're in this room and you're struggling with pornography and no one knows about it, I'm telling you, not to freak you out, but the Lord knows about it. Here's the good news. You ready? He's a good God. He's a good Father, and you can come to Him and find grace and mercy and gentleness and forgiveness. But here's the thing. He's saying, if you, that nasty feeling when you're not living holy and you're not doing what you should. He's saying, I'm trying to set you free from that. I'm trying to set you free from you hiding in the dark and not doing all the things. And nobody knows your real attitude. Nobody knows your real marriage. He's saying, if you would just live holy, you'd walk around with a clear conscience and no one can find anything out about you. That's good news. That is a benefit of living holy that there's not something hiding in my life that someone's going to get a hold of and find me out. Because everything in my life that I know I'm struggling with, I'm taking to the Father. I'm taking to wise counsel. I'm taking to counselors. I'm taking to other pastors. And I'm saying, God, use me. Change me. I know you're good. I know your intentions for me are good. Help me to walk in the manner to which you have called me so i can live holy, so the world will see you through me so my kids will see christ in me the hope of glory paul would write these things later in his life for it is no longer i who live but Christ who lives within me. And what he was saying was, I think sometimes even myself, we've misinterpreted that to make that scripture happen as soon as we get saved. But really what he was saying is, I've got to a place where I'm completely denying myself and now it's not even Paul who lives, but Christ who lives within me. I want to get to a place where Mike is so separate and Christ is so present that people just say, "Oh man, it's just Jesus. (laughs) When I see you, I see Jesus. I remember I was on a plane one day, one of the most compliments, the greatest things I've ever heard, very humbling. This lady was an atheist. She didn't care about God. I was in California. And I just told her my testimony and what God has done in my life. And, and she's like basically like, oh, that's a cool story. <laughs> you know, good for you. And she said something that really, really got to me and really humbled me. She said, you know what, though? She said, if there was a God, I would believe I met him today. And I remember thinking, man, you know what I mean? And and it's because I wasn't trying to battle her theology and tell her she was nasty and dirty. I was just saying, I believe this is the truth. I believe this is what God says, is His Word. Can you stand to your feet? And you know what's even crazy? This person, she didn't get saved. You know what she did do? Before she got the plane, she was a pharmacist. And she gave me some cash and she said go take your wife out to dinner when you get home I was like man see it's not about the results and what we're going to get it's about this intimacy with God and this intimacy will create the life that you actually want to live you won't be hiding things anymore if you're in this room and you have stuff hidden nothing is hidden before God but that's good news he's a good God he's a forgiving God but he does tell us that you must confess your sin and he who is faithful will cleanse you from all unrighteousness this is the beauty of the gospel you can screw up you can struggle and you can go to him over and over and over and he's going to pick you up he's going to raise you up he's going to forgive you again and say son keep going somebody needs to say amen isn't that good news can our prayer team come Maybe you're here this morning and you do not have a relationship with Jesus. And you need to give your life to Jesus. If you need to be saved, you're like, man, I don't even know Christ. I need to give my life to him. I need to repent of my sin. Or I've been living my own way. I've been thinking my own thoughts. And God is saying, would you come to me? Would you surrender your life to me if you need to get saved? Can we just close our eyes in this room? I just want us to take a moment and just let the Lord just... Anything that has spoke to you this morning, there's an invitation this morning. God is saying, I'm taking you deeper if you want to go. I'm taking you to deeper places of intimacy with me if you would like to participate. Some of you, it really burns in your heart to be used by God as well. Father, speak to your people. Minister to their hearts, Jesus, in this moment. If you're here today and you need to give your life to Jesus, not just your Sunday morning, but you need to repent of your sin and give your heart over to Him and turn your life over to Him, would you just raise your hand right now right where you are? I need to give my life to Jesus. I see that hand. I need to give my heart to Him. I need to be saved. I need to be born again. Come on, anyone else. I'm not trying to pressure you I'm just trying to say that there's an invitation right now for you to step into the fullness of a new life a new creation life into the home of a loving heavenly father into something you cannot earn if you haven't made that decision would you lift up your hand right now thank you Jesus we're going to do two things really quickly for those who had your hand raised I want you to pray this prayer with me But then after that, I want you to do something very bold. I don't want you to leave this church before you come down to these altars and let one of our prayer team know that you gave your life to Christ so we can fill out this card. We want to give you a Bible, give you everything that you need. It's your next step. So if you raise your hand, I want you to pray this prayer. Say, Dear Jesus, I give you my life. Forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me of all unrighteousness and use me for your glory. I believe you died on the cross, and I believe you rose from the grave. From this day forward, I'll never be the same. Come on, if you made that decision, I know there's at least one of you. If you made that decision before you leave today, and you can even get out of your seat now and come down to these altars, we want to pray with you and give you a card and let us know that you made that decision for Christ. Amen? Come on, can we put our hands together for the couple in here? Thank you, Lord. Come on, you can do better than that. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You're worthy, Lord. You're worthy, Lord. And if anybody else needs prayer, if you need healing in your body, if you're in pain right now, please don't leave. We'd like to pray with you. We believe God can heal you this morning. If you're struggling in any way, shape, or form, please come. You can come now or before you leave, come, and we'd love to partner with you. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I thank you that your word goes forth and does not return void. Father, bless your people. Give them peace, God. I speak shalom over them in the name of Jesus, Lord. Help us and empower us to work out this salvation with fear and trembling and help us to know that it is you who wills and works in us. We love you, Jesus. We honor you. In Jesus' name, can we put our hands together for the Lord this morning? All right. You guys have a good week. Bless you guys. If you need prayer or if you made that decision, please come. We love you. We're so excited for you.